Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. Here's half the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Um, well, I was having a co-hosting problem today because Dave Davies is having a hosting problem. Dave wasn't able to make it. His uh, his main man of a host, Blue Host, is uh, treating him like a dog, it seems. Treating him like a dog. So uh, he's, he's off dealing with hosting issues. David Harry. Master of the SEO Dojo has been kind enough to step in to fill Dave's shoes this week. David, welcome, welcome back, sir. Well, you know, can anyone truly fill fill Dave's shoes? You know, maybe his slippers. Well, that's about it. He so. is pretty tall. He's, he's he's got those big feet. That's true. Like you know, yeah, size sixteen yeah, so, or something. Know, we do. We do. Um, anyways, yes, nice to be back. We're going to have a fun show today. We're going to be talking about SEO scammers and spammers. We're going to be uh, talking about a uh, expensive experiment Facebook seems to be running. And we're going to have Christine Sashin to join us uh, towards the end of the show to talk about, you know, Heartbleed and hacking and just the crappy stuff people do out there and, you know, why we should or shouldn't be concerned about it. Um, I want to get this one off my chest, David. Like you, and I, you and I were uh, messaging back, about, uh, back and forth about this before the show. So, and um, you were aware of this problem, too. Um, there's a, I'm not going to say it's like a new black hat technique, but. It's just becoming more prevalent. Scuzzy. How's that? <laughs> yeah. It's some, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Just, uh, why don't we just call it like reading? Well, you know, they're, they're running out of ways to get links. So they're really, you know, they got to dig deeper now. You know, the guest blogs are gone. So really, you know, we're digging deep. We got to go for everything. <laughs> Okay, so check this out. Check this out. Like, like, uh, it just pisses me off. So if, if I run out of words, I'm going to ask David to come in and, and complete the sentence for me. So <laughs> you have like an a A-list blogger, uh, a top tier, you know, somebody who you want guest blogging on your website or, or writing on your website for you. And, you know, the, there's, a, there's a few of these, these folks out there in the industry. Um, no, I, I will not mention names in this, in this segment. So you get this A-list blogger to come in, and they write a blog on, on you know, they write a post on your blog, and they and they publish it, and you know they go away. But a month later, they no, come no, back. I think you, you, you got at least right? preface it. You got to preface it with the fact that you gave them access to your backend to post it, as opposed to the editor wow. posting it, right? That's right. Okay, so yeah, you give you give the blogger access to your backend because hey, everyone knows who this person is, and you totally trust them. And right, Search Engine the, Land does that. You know, I mean, when, when I would post on Search Engine Land, you know, I just go log in and, and publish. Yep, yep. Um, and, 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 and we, you know, a lot of a lot of trusted writers have this relationship with their publishers, where we can just go into the back end system, publish our article, and uh, you know, walk away till it's time to publish our next one. But what if you were to come back? And change the and ch- alter the article like a month later when nobody's looking. Add some links to you know one of your clients, or something. You know, uh, alter the article and again slip some uh, paid for bought and paid for links into that article. No one's going to notice because it was published a month ago, 
any editor is looking forward, not looking back at stuff that's already been published, and the only warning the publisher or the editor will get will come from Google Webmaster Tools or some other piece of analytics software saying, hey, there's some weird dodgy links. But by then, a month or so, two months later, whatever damage might be done is done. Wow. And for the record, folks, uh, I have some really nice articles on Search Engine Land. My PayPal address is... No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> now, when did you first hear about this this, this trick, David? Um, I, I, You know, I, I, I'm not sure, so sure I've heard a lot of it. You know I mean? I haven't heard a lot of people suggesting it, but... Again, it, it, it's it's almost akin. It's interesting enough that Google itself would almost enable that because they have uh, certain parts of the algorithm do, do like new things being added to a piece of content. So, so literally speaking, if you go and do this at the core algorithm element of Google, <clears throat> they would actually eat it up and be like, "Oh, they've updated this article." You know, you almost get that QDF effect coming back around to an article. So, there's a part of Google that actually kind of a scuzzy part, but you know. Uh, uh, I, I haven't really myself, even with the black hat people I know, really heard a lot of people suggesting it. But again, uh, given, you know, unfortunately that so many SEOs look at the world of SEO as link building, not about anything else, that, that ah. as, go- as Google keeps taking things away, they keep looking deeper for new things to do. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, look for broken links and email people and say, hey, I noticed this link is broken, uh, link to my stuff. You know, I think it's coming about more now because of this desperation among SEOs of finding new ways to get links, right? So, you know. Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. So I want to rephrase with SEOs. You know what? With a segment of the SEO community. Um, oh, no, no, no. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No general. You know, you, the general you got you guys over the dojo and the fight club. You guys, you guys are straying within the guidelines. As a rule, oh, yeah. It's always, you're always walking that, that fine line because, you know, no matter how lily white one wants to pretend they are, the, 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 the goalposts keep moving. You know, Google used what? to tell us that reciprocal links were good. Google used to tell us that, you know, maybe top directories. And, Google used to tell us to do things that are no longer cool. <laughs> so, okay, you know, but that, that, that's I, true. I, I've, never, I've never really subscribed to the whole black hat, white hat thing. For me, Black hat is when you're breaking the law, meaning you're hacking someone's site and dropping links and this and that. The rest of it okay, is well, just well, shades. Well, you know? I, I think we can probably agree in, in this example where you know somebody publishes an article for, for, for another publisher and then using their privileged access goes back into the back end, alters the yeah, article. But doesn't, this, doesn't this speak to, but doesn't that kind of speak to your editorial guidelines? You know, Search, Search well, News Central never gave anyone access to our back end. My editors would actually vet the piece, format the piece under my guidelines of how I like things to be SEO-wise or formatted for usability or whatever, and then my editors would post the pieces. I never at any time gave access to the back end to my authors. <laughs> so I think there's an element of editorial guidelines. Your operation was organized enough to have you know, editors and sub-editors. You have, you know, you have a whole community to call on, many of whom will volunteer yeah. to do anything, you know? And, and, and I brought um, this up to some of the members in, in the room after you and I talked this morning, and, you know, like, like Dan Tees and Andy Beard were saying, that, you know, there's, there's either plugins or settings you can do if it's a WordPress 
that allows people to publish, but once it's published, they can't edit or anything else without you know an administrator giving them that right. So there are actually ways, if you're using something like WordPress or whatever, to, to avoid this thing. So again, it, it, I think it's like you and I were talking about, and, and the reason you were excited, it's about awareness that this can happen, and that at the editorial yeah. level or the technology level that the people managing these sites need to be aware of it and protect against it. You know. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the plugins for, for WordPress users. Now, WordPress is a content management system that, you know, powers, what, about 50% of the websites out there now? So it's an important, you know, it's important to, uh, to mention WordPress workarounds. And like you said, there's a, there's a number of different plugins that um, limit the, ex- the access to authors to WordPress um, or that will let you know who updated what when. Who right. made a change and, and to the website on a certain time? At exactly. A certain time. So it's the awareness that you're trying to bring that I think is the important part. And, and I guess, you know, I don't think we're out of line uh, mentioning that we actually talked to Google about this this morning. And, and mm-hmm. Google is aware of it. So if you're a publisher out there and you think, eh, whatever, um, Google is aware of it and they are taking action on it. And they already have apparently contacted various uh, sites about this. So it's a serious situation that could get you in some you know trouble. Well, you know, just to, just to hammer it home, David, like say... What what could happen to somebody if you know some if if, if a if a writer did this to them? What could happen to that publisher? Well, there there are plenty of manual actions on outbound links, you know, um, and that would be the most extreme case. So yeah, it, you know, if, if at some point, you know, and again, manual actions aren't always site wide; they can you know be on a limited scale. So again, but you start to lose that trust from Google. And the more you lose points of trust, the more you're at risk. And, and so, yeah, most certainly um, there's, a, there's a degree of risk of losing trust, which can lose ranking site-wide and other issues um, that you, you can be put in a position of, especially, you know, if these things are linking out to or start to look like splogs or start to look like paid links or anything of that nature. And, and obviously these kind of practices <laughs> tend to look like paid links. So, you know, a paid link action of uh, outbound link from Google, a manual action, isn't necessarily just something in your sidebar or your footer because everyone knows, especially Google, that contextual links are the powerful ones and that's where they look for paid links. So you, you could certainly start to get profiled site-wide or on a limited basis by Google or even manual actions applied on your site or loss of trust due to them thinking that, that you are allowing paid links on your site. So, Yep, so you can get in trouble. You can lose positioning, you can lose ranking. Somebody who's linking to you might lose ranking. It's a... It's a hopscotch, a domino effect that could happen around one person's actions that had nothing to do with you. So, if you're a publisher and you have other people publishing to your website, go check the uh, go check go check those articles. Make this make this one of those things you do every couple of weeks. Always check your yeah. Oh, and again, your, uh, and check your, your CMS. Check your CMS, and if there's any way to lock down editing capabilities, do it. You know. Yep, absolutely. Okay, um, it's uh, just about quarter after. We have another five minutes before we're going to take our first break. Speaking of locking down, do you, do you do a lot of WordPress sites, David? Do you work with WordPress much? Um, a fair bit, you know what I mean? Um, it's, like you said, <laughs> it's the most predominant uh, CMS of choice for a lot of publishers, you know what I mean? So as far as CMSs go, we, we see a lot of WordPress, a lot of Joomla, a lot of various open carts and various things like that, sure. 
We have this. We have this one client that has um, upwards of eighty WordPress sites in a in a uh, a network across the country. Okay, and you know uh, network's a dirty word, right? <laughs> well, it's a legal network. They're a corporation, for goodness' sake. They're supposed oh, I, I, to be aligned I, I, with each other, you know. Um, okay, but, but but it's been updated. What? What? My goodness. Most people. Oh, I know where you're going. Every time WordPress comes out, they just click a button and it's done. I was watching your Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and they did two changes in two days. You were going mental. (laughs) Well, because you know, again, for most people, you push a button, zoom, 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 it's done, right? For us, we have to schedule work time. Okay, this is like one person's full day. Great, (laughs) pushing a button. I mean, this is like. I, I, I was talking to I was talking to to, to uh, another person in the SEO industry last night, um, and uh, we were talking about you know uh, how when Google makes a change and moves those goalposts, it costs small businesses money because a you know, small business has to you know change their website or uh, go back and look through all their blogs to look for bad links or what have you, right? And uh, <laughs> and so 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 this person says to me, yeah, but that costs money, you know. That's like a full-time job. And I was thinking, you think about the Rust Belt. All those jobs that were lost in the last, say, 30 years as we've moved from a, you know, a post-industrial society into a knowledge-based society. Where do you think those jobs are going? The job, the job in the Rust Belt, you know, working the auto line, you were turning a wrench all day. <laughs> I'm paying people to push buttons all day. <laughs> it's maddening. Billable hours, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's well, an expense at the end of the day. Every time Google moves this, this, the, the goalpost, and you know, I've long had an issue talking to Google as far as when they move those goalposts that it's hurting mom and pops and, and things of that nature. You know what I mean? And this is, you know, I've always had a very passionate problem with that. Again, you know what I mean? And and I'm, I know Google has their positions on it. You know, and, and we argue about this and that. You know, punish. Yeah, just don't count if it's a link penalty or a link thing. Let's think penguin or something like that. Just stop counting the links. But you know, the the counter side of that argument is that message doesn't get through. If you do that, penalizing is how you get the message through, and so it's always a given a back and forth. But I, I'm like you. I, I I work you know predominantly with a lot of SMBs these days instead of the big corporate stuff. I gave it up, and you know I I does and even the corporate stuff. You know, even there, when, when a site gets penalized, it, it's not the guys in the top end that get hit. It's some guy down the warehouse who is working part time that just lost his job because the revenue is dropping, and so you know it's a. I don't know. It's a tough call. I understand Google's side of it, you know, after talking to them, but it's still always, it always bothers me that people are getting hurt from it, you know. Well, yeah, indeed. And, you know, and it's something we're going to be addressing a little later in the show uh, with Michelle Simpson Ross around Facebook. When Google needs to make a change for whatever reason, they don't really have a sandbox they can play in to test what would happen if they introduced it to a system the scale the size of well their system uh so when google needs to you know experiment quite frequently they need to do that live time they need to do that well, they, do, they do a lot of closed testing but again like you're saying you know there's a huge difference between a closed environment test and and then the, the mass index it's just night and day 
you know, I mean, a lot of things they've tested, you know, as far as I've read lots of papers and things they've done, it, you know, out of Stanford that they sponsor or whatever. And these are closed tests on four or 5,000 people, which is absolutely nothing compared to the entire web. So, you know, I think, yeah, like you're saying, a lot of times it has to be done at that scale to really see what's going to happen. So. Yep. Um, so, I'm in with the... Uh, I'm... I'm like you. I'm I'm hot and cold on my anger at Google vis-a-vis the, the the impact on small businesses. Like I I get where Google's coming from. They have to impose their sense of order on their system, and asking nicely often doesn't work. And that's um, the sad part. You, you know, again, if you know, again, like I'll go back to you know, let's take the blog guest blogging thing lately. And 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 I do understand from their side this this need to really slap people hard to get the message across. You know, because I always kept saying that, you know, really, if you just started de- devaluing the links and then putting out stuff saying that you know this doesn't work anymore, forget guest blogging, it's not going to work, and SEOs could correlate it. I, you know, apparently I live in a utopian world in my head that that doesn't work. And I've even had SEOs I talk to say to me, you know, Dave, that's nice, but I don't think SEOs would get the point. <laughs> you know, it takes these penalties and these major actions for them to get it through. You know, so it's six down, six, six and one half dozen the other. It's it's a problem. I understand the problem that they have at least. Do I always think it's the right okay. way to go about it? No, I don't, but, you know. Well, I I got this feeling you'll be saying something similar on Tuesday. Tuesday, noon o'clock Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. If you're involved in uh, advertising through Google, if you're you know Google AdWords or um, advertising via YouTube, pretty much any Google channel, you'll want to you'll want to uh, visit the AdWords, the Google AdWords blog. Again, twelve noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Tuesday, Google's making a major announcement involving, as I understand it. A seamless device agnostic environment for advertisers. I don't know what that means exactly. That's pretty much all we know so far. <laughs> I was going to say that's nice jargon. <laughs> it's great to have. Let's look at this. Like you know, going from your tablet to your desktop to your mobile in a seamless design environment or seamless advertising environment. My stomach is screaming Yahoo Content Network. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know why, but my stomach is just screaming content network. Well, uh, I, I, I give them even, something to advertise on. You know, they they even announced some new uh, advertising abilities for uh, Google Plus. I think yesterday or something like that. One mm-hmm. of the various blogs. So somehow, yeah, that, this is going to tie back to organic. Guarantee you, this is going to tie back to organic. And uh, anyway, SEO should be watching that, and I imagine, David, you're going to have something to say about that come Tuesday afternoon. But before we can say anything else, we've got to take a break here on Webcology. Uh, friends, we're going to be coming back with Michelle Sidson-Ross from Office.com. She's going to be talking about some, uh, well, Facebook experimentation that may or may not be costing publishers a whole bunch of money. Until then, on behalf of David Harry um, from the SEO Dojo, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You listen to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around. We've got more coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. 
Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Duke to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Your mission. Initiate internet marketing measures. Your arsenal. The weapons of mass marketing. Weapons of Mass Marketing, on demand anytime, inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 17th of April. Uh... 2014, uh, and well, you got Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO is dealing with hosting problems. Yeah, hosting problems. Yeah, um, so we have David Come Harry on. from, from <laughs> SEO Dojo who's, who's jumped in to uh, you know, kindly sit in for, for Dave Davies, and Dave Harry and I, oh, there's too many, too many names here, David Harry and I have... Michelle Stinson Ross from Offers.com, who has kindly kindly decided to jump on the show to talk about um, well, to talk about a heart attack she had last night, a minor heart attack, as it turns <laughs> that, out. That's putting it mildly. But how many minutes did I spend ranting about this yesterday? Well, we were on the phone uh, for about forty-five minutes. So let, let, let me just set this up <laughs> for the audience, okay? Sure, uh, sure, sure. Michelle Michelle is the social media manager for offers.com a massive like mm-hmm. um i don't I'm, I'm not sure if massive is large enough a word for the size of this website oh we're they, talking about 
stuff for over 6,000 merchants that we represent. Okay. So you have a lot of publishers that you have to work with. Mm-hmm. And they have to um, conform to a, a, a set of standards that, that, that you put out um, because this is what you have to conform to when working with Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Google or, or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. So yesterday, Facebook made a change to, um, to its business pages and it limited your ability to set images properly when, when, you're, when you're putting a post up on Facebook. And these... Um, an audience, when you're working at this scale, these posts are not inexpensive. They add up fast. So, Michelle, what happened yeah. to you? Well, uh, apparently I got to be one of Facebook's guinea pigs yesterday because when I logged in and started to set up my posts for the day, I discovered I was no longer able to upload a custom image to the link I was sharing, which I've been able to do for years on, you know, any individual Facebook post that I put to my business page. Okay. Um, that made my posts for the day look pretty stinky. <laughs> and, you know, from a social marketing standpoint, images everything. Uh, people that come into contact yeah, but, but, but with Michelle, us via I've social... Noticed a, I, I've noticed with the promoted or sponsored post, you can still put pictures. <laughs> Just saying. Yes. There, there is a way around that if you're willing to set up the post in Power Editor first and then do it as a dark post, but not every brand is to a point where they're doing advertising yet. What, I have to pay now to um, add a custom image to my post because the only way I could... Ah, it makes me nuts. That, that wouldn't be morning, surprising at all. <laughs> nope. Well, uh, to be absolutely honest, this morning my Facebook page reverted back to the old way it had been where I could upload the images. So obviously Facebook is testing something, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but oh my gosh – to live in a world where I couldn't add a custom image to a Facebook page just cho- totally shifted my paradigm about how we set up images and things on e-commerce sites. And I mean, if it was a permanent change, the impact to business would be enormous. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, ha- having to reorganize how you do things on that kind of scale is no small matter. No, um, it's not, that, especially when you're talking about an e-commerce site. So, yesterday you were in a panic. Like last night you were truly in a panic when when we were on the phone. Um cuz mm-hmm. I mean you're, you you were thinking of going to your boss, to your director and saying, "Well, you know, I told you that we were going to be doing it this way, but the goalposts have changed." Um, and David, this speaks uh, to the conversation we were having earlier. Um, see, see, Michelle, we live in this world all the time, <laughs> where you know what was <laughs> what was red is now black. A couple times a week, it seems right, like right. last while. <laughs> um, but you know, even Michelle, you know, like like over the last couple of years, you know, you're you spend a lot more time with the Facebook stuff than I do. But you know, even you know, even surfacing your content as a company has become more and more. You know, I'd hate to say, but pushed towards promoted posts and sponsored posts and things of that nature. So you know, to me, something like that. You know, I hate to be uh, 
tinfoil hat-ish, but it, it almost seems to be leaning in that direction or not. Well, certainly on Facebook it is. I mean, an organic post in and of itself, I think one of the last articles I read, we're getting maybe 1% to 2% exposure to the community that actually clicked like for our page. I get 1% organic exposure to the people that actively like me. Holy cow. Really? So what does that mean for you? If uh, if you're told you have to... Uh get your offerings in front of more eyeballs. Say a directive comes down tomorrow. You've got, mm-hmm. got to get in front of more eyeballs. What does that mean to you? That means we got to spend more money. Plain and simple. That's what I was going to say. Money, money, money. comes <laughs> to yeah. Facebook. So uh, what right, point, right. Well, I'm wondering, Michelle, what point do we, do I... we get... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. Go for it. I'll, I'll ask my question in a sec. Go for it. All I was about to say was, for the most part, we need to realize that it's the business that's the customer of Facebook and the users are the product. And when it comes to Facebook and when Facebook changes things on our business pages, I've got every right to howl because I'm paying for it. At what point do we reach the law of, di- of diminishing returns? You, you're throwing... X number of hours, X number of dollars at at this system. Is there a point where it's just not worth it anymore? Oh, certainly there's a point where it's not worth it anymore, especially when you see what kind of traction the same amount of time and energy that I spend on Google Plus gets me. I'd much rather be spending my time and effort over there. Or even Twitter. Like, Twitter gets through to all your followers. You know what I mean? I post someone on Twitter, bang, everyone gets it, you know? Right, right. And right now... Um, Twitter is driving the most actual business traffic to my site of all of our social platforms. When a Twitter visitor hits a link, they usually buy. Okay. Um, You said a a moment ago that you're seeing more positive action out of G+, Google+, than you are from Facebook. Did did, did I hear you correctly? Well, if I... Spend the same amount of time and effort on Google Plus that I do on Facebook, then yeah, I because not only do I get the usual exposure value of putting my brand in front of more eyeballs and maybe I get engagement and maybe I get plus ones or comments or whatever, but I get an SEO lift out of the G Plus posts that I don't get out of Facebook. I'm 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 just wondering. I I know that that there's folks at Facebook who who are listening in. I, I know because I told I sent a message to a couple of them saying you were coming on to talk about this. Um, <laughs> and again, I keep getting back hey. to this law of diminishing returns. Like it's just it's Facebook. I guess the question I'm trying to phrase as I go along is: Is Facebook cutting its own throat trying to make more money? I'll leave it to Michelle, but I, I talk to a lot of people that do Facebook marketing, and again, it's the Apparently mass numbers they're doing that something they get. Right from they're, they're getting mass numbers, so at this point, I still think to a lot of people it's still valuable, but at some point, they're going to get sick of it, I think. you know, It's like I know people that do a lot well, through Pinterest, well, but the conversion rates suck out of Pinterest, but they still get you know reasonable traffic and, and conversions. Sure, sure. 
The one thing I love and will always love about Facebook and particularly about the targeted advertising is how very targeted I can be. When I post up a link to a deal for a sale on family sandals from Sears, I can go into Facebook and target the heck out of the affinity for sandals from Sears. Mm-hmm. So uh, that will always be the reason why I, I like getting into Facebook. I have that much ability to target based on affinity, based on things that people have already told Facebook they like. And I really, really like that. But G Plus is coming along. This, the ability to segment organically with circles begins to give me the same psychographic type opportunities as the paid promotion does on Facebook. So it's very possible that from an advertiser's point of view, or from, a, from just a pure resource point of view, you might start putting more effort into the Google environment, the Twitter environment. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I want to get back to Twitter in a second because you, you said you said something you know kind of kind of stunning there. Um, then, okay. then, then you're throwing into Facebook, right? So you know, Facebook itself may be making a poor environment. Um, you know, I, definitely, from a working but, in yeah. From a working environment for community managers, yeah, I, they're constantly tweaking and changing things. Uh, during the period in December and January, uh, you know, 2013, 2014, so making that transition from Q4 to Q1, they were doing a lot of changes in editing to Power Editor, which is our, our platform for actually creating the Facebook ads. That's my bread and butter when it comes to community management on Facebook. I need for that to be stable and reliable, and every time I open it up, that I'm presented with the same options. They were turning stuff on and off on the fly while I was training somebody else on how to use Power Editor. Now, what? <laughs> I mean, really? Come on. So uh, the Again, working environment for community managers is it can be very aggravating in Facebook. Well, yesterday I asked you if you'd spoken to anybody at Facebook, and your first response was, yes, we're just not large enough to uh, to have our own rep. This is true. That, that, well, that was your, your, your first a, response was, we don't have a rep. Yeah, we don't have a rep. Um, from a following standpoint, I have right around half a million people following us on Facebook. And um, from a following standpoint, yeah, I've got enough that I could probably have an organic rep. But... As of yet, we don't spend the kinds of money that get us an advertising rep. I mean, that's that's some pretty major high-level spending to rate one of those. Indeed. Um, nevertheless, people, people get Google reps for spending less. Heck. Um, <laughs> you said that when people hit one of your Twitter links, they're almost much higher chance of, of converting. Why is that? Um, I think it's just the community built around several people that actually share stuff from offers.com. Uh, we have a, a media partner that actually um, highlights deals and, and things on a regular basis. So he also shares links from us as well as, you know, our own branded stuff. So we've got the 
beautiful, wonderful thing of an authority advocate happening for us on Twitter. That's a lot more difficult to have happen on Facebook just because of the nature of the network. It's much easier to get, you know, uh, an influencer retweeting and sharing and doing stuff on your behalf in Twitter than it is in Facebook. And due to his activity along with ours, even though we might not drive as much traffic, you know, in general from Twitter as we do from Facebook, a higher percentage of that smaller amount of traffic does convert from Twitter. Oh, very interesting. Um, okay, we're going to have to let you go in a couple of seconds. We have to, have to go to break. Um, how's Instagram working? I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine. Instagram has to be a killer for you. It has to be. Funny enough, no. Instagram is probably one of the networks that I currently ignore. Believe really? it or not. Um, mostly well, I because don't, I don't believe- the, Instagram, ah. the Instagram audience, number one, is much younger. They don't have the buying power. And even if they did, they're not too concerned about hunting down a deal on whatever it is they want to buy. It's, it's just the younger consumer mentality. We don't find we get much traction with younger consumers. Uh, they're not quite as thoughtful in their purchasing process. So that that's kind of the first aspect. And the second aspect is that Instagram is so very, very visual that it's not actually a good fit for us. Huh. Huh. Um, for some reason, I assume the visual nature would have been helpful. Um, Michelle, again, I'm sorry. We, we, we're going to have to cut it off there. We have to go to break. Um, come back with uh, Christine to talk about hackers and viruses and heart bleeds and such. Uh, Michelle Stinson-Ross, thank you for spending time with us uh, on Webco- uh, Michelle Stinson-Ross from Office.com. Thank you for spending time with us on Webcology today. Thank you, guys. Uh, friends, that was Michelle Stinson-Ross, chief, uh, chief social media officer, or I'm not, really not sure what her... Uh, what her title is, at office.com. Um, she had a number of Facebook issues in the last week. Luckily, a lot of them seem to be working out. Uh, David, we're going to have to take a break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of David Harry from the SEO Dojo, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We're coming back with Kristen Sa- Christine Sashinger talk about hacking, heartbleed, and, you know, why we should be worried about it. Uh, friends, stick around. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. And a pitch. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi. How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded, attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike, for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. 
Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 18th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 30th, 2014. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Get schooled on how to be inboxed. You got, you got, you got mail. Our hosts will show you how to deliver on email marketing strategies without going postal. Ah! Inboxed on demand anytime inside the, the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and David, joined by David Harry from the SEO Dojo. And, um, that was very good, Jim. That was nice and mellow. I like it, yeah. I'm trying to channel my inner Craig Newmark. Yes, my inner Craig Newmark. The uh, the, the mild and docile tones of Craig Newmark here on WebmasterRadio.fm. Um, <laughs> I apologize for talking so fast earlier, folks. You know how it is. Time is a tyranny. We have breaking news. Another guest blogging network has been hit in the last few hours. Uh, potentially, what, what if, you know, potentially. Okay, well, I, I, back back when uh, uh, my blog network, uh, my blog guest went down and everything else, I was, you know, one of the people that was out there saying that, oh, we're not at risk and all this kind of stuff, and it was was post joint. So I set up some tweet uh, monitoring tools to keep an eye on it. You know what I mean? You know what it's like being in the news world. We we tend to do these things. So yeah, uh, we got a Chelsea Potter. Um, Tweeted uh, three hours ago, uh, Matt Cuts, have you just hit post joint? And uh, and then uh, 39 minutes ago or so, someone named Naturalist Quill tweeted uh, post joint. Uh, sorry, sorry, Chris Worthington said at Matt Cuts, looks like post joint has been hit by manual penalty. Blah blah blah. So you know, I being that I was monitoring those, I decided to go and do a little quick search for post joint on S on uh, Google and. Sure enough, they're not showing up for their name or anything. They're gone. So it ain't there. <laughs> I'm thinking. I just, I just did I'm it myself. Thinking, yeah, did it? Yeah, they, they seem to be gone. So uh, entirely possible that the other shoe was dropped. But again, they, you know, even back in January when he did his uh, stick a fork in it post, they in their wisdom <laughs> decided to write, yeah, well, you know, we just don't agree with it. But uh, and then you know, about our users, and then when MBG got hit. They came up with another post saying that don't worry about it to our users. We're okay because Google can't access our data and da da da. So that's when I wrote my rebuttal post to them saying, "Really, <laughs> you poke the bear, my friend. Something might just happen." So um, it's still early moments, I guess, on this. But some people are tweeting Matt and uh, post joint and asking uh, what's going on. And sure enough, they're not in Google. So well, exactly. Uh, go to go to Google.com, Google.ca, Google whatever. Type in yeah. post joint one word and you'll find crickets. Nothing. Yep. 
Well, their Twitter so, accounts there and stuff, but their site's not. So, <laughs> so there you go, folks. Another guest blogging network. If you're involved with PostJoint, either directly or t- <laughs> it's Google, folks. If you're involved tangentially, you know you might want to keep a watch on uh, Webmaster Tools and, um, well, you might want to type your own name into Google if you want some options to see what happens. Okay, last week. We all had a heart-stopping uh, couple of days when we found out that the open, secure uh, encryption system that oh protects, what, like 80% of the web or so had been cracked, had been broken. OpenSSL um, was leaving a big, gaping hole, and that hole was called Heartbleed. It's been about a week. The story, uh, the story broke uh, last, well, last week. Um, as I said, it's been about a week, and we have um, our go-to person on all things hacking, Kristen Sassinger. Christine, <laughs> well, 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 first of all, what was Heartbleed? How was it fixed? And is you know, it's time to to fix our passwords. Um. Well, first of all, Heart Heartbleed's probably not fixed. <laughs> so, but we'll get to that in a second. Um. Uh, Heartbleed is uh, simply a, a coding error, unfortunately. Um, open source code is, uh, you know, where lots of people add to the code base, and the idea of open source is many more eyes on the code prevent errors. In this case, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and so the, the coding mistake allows um, information that shouldn't be allowed uh, to be transported back to um, someone when they... Um, the client handshake, the user to the server handshake takes place at the SSL mm-hmm. level. Um, and uh, they can repeatedly ask for that information over and over again. And that information is things like um, credential, session keys, server private keys. And once you get those server private keys, that's those encryption keys that enable you to unlock the encryption at the um, SSL level. So um, when you unlock the encryption, then you have access to everything. What's that? It's like an open bank vault then, right? Right, exactly. Because the private keys are what a website um, has that prevent people to be able to easily get into encrypted data. Once somebody has access to their private keys, it's like having access to the keys to your house. And they can just open the door and then they have access to everything inside. Um, So, Go ahead. Moat. Most high-end networks are using encryption software that's a step above OpenSSL, right? Like most, most what, your no? bank, for instance, should be using something above OpenSSL. Right. Uh, my understanding, yes, your bank would be because they have a different standard they have to meet. Um, uh, they have banking standards that they're and, reviewed, right? But you're okay. well, like Yahoo. How about the IRS? Would you think the IRS has a standard above OpenSSL? Well, it probably depends on what level you're interacting with them at. Um, so you would think so. I don't know. I know the Canadian uh, tax authority had issues. I hadn't heard about the U.S. IRS. Did you hear about something with that? No, I didn't. I was actually setting up the joke about the Canadian, the Canadians. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to step in your joke. What's your oh, name? Wow. You're, you're into politics there? Uh, who knew? <laughs> well, not I mean, David, Debbie, you know that, like, uh, the, the Canada revenue, it's, it's tax season in, in North America. Um, April 15th was tax day in the United States. April 30th is our tax deadline. 
So Canadians have to have their income tax filed by April 30th. Most Canadians will file through the Canada Revenue Agency website. They, 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 they're trying to make it as easy as possible for us to give them their money. Smart business. Um, but if you tried to log in last week, you'd have found a broken website. You'd have, you'd have thought you were signing up for Obamacare or something. Because um, the website <laughs> simply wasn't working. It wasn't working because the Canada Revenue Agency, in its wisdom, shut the site down the moment it knew, well, the moment it knew that the RCMP had gathered enough evidence from their investigation into the heartbeat issue. See, the Canada Revenue Agency actually left the website open like eight hours after learning about the issue because the RCMP asked them to so that they could, you know, study the hack activity. And, you know, the RCMP. He did make an arrest of an 18-year-old student at Queen's University um, who apparently walked off with like 900 Canadian social insurance numbers. Um, Anyway, that blew me away that the Canada Revenue Agency is using open source security software for the interaction that every Canadian taxpayer has with them. That bugs me. Uh, Yeah, and and, and actually if you look at it, um, although they said 66% of of uh, I think it was they said sixty sixty percent sixty six percent of sites affect, affected. It's something more like eighty percent overall of just websites alone are affected. That also includes like emails. When they say sixty six percent, it's a little bit lower because they're including in that number um, network VPNs, email servers. So it affects a lot more than just websites alone. Yeah, but but are the, the tools that everyone was touting working then? Because I checked so many of the client sites and stuff we have, and I didn't find any of them affected. So I don't know. The the anybody who had 1.0 open SSL is affected, so you wouldn't know about the hack activity because you wouldn't be able to see it. Um, there is no there is no trace unless you can go back to a server log and find a certain IP address and know that that happens to be someone who shouldn't be there. Um, and that would be very difficult to do. Um, uh, so uh, Bruce Schreiner, uh, I think I'm saying his name right, one of the foremost security experts, says you can assume that. Um, it's S-C-H-N, I always say his name wrong, E-I-E-R. Um, you can assume that all sites have been uh, have been uh, compromised by intelligence agencies. Um, and then, in addition, uh, you won't have any idea on the other levels how they've been exploited because the bug's been around for two years. So, no, and- I'm not... I'm not worried about the NSA passing my uh, social security number around like a joint. Like, I'm not concerned about that. Well, remember, it's not just your social security number. Once they have access to that key, that means they had your, they're your logging and password to go through anything at all. So any account that you have. Okay, but that again, my, that's- my bigger worry is identity theft, financial fraud, you know, uh, waking up right. one morning to find my bank account has been cleaned out and stuff like that. Well, and that's a very, a very uh, good possibility, and that's why people have to start changing their passwords because it does affect everything from like Dropbox to Yahoo to Microsoft to um, smaller sites. There's so many sites affected. I couldn't list even go through a decent list here. Google supposedly is affected. They haven't admitted to it, but think about Google Apps, Google Phone, um, everything you store on there. Um, everything you store in a Dropbox account that if it's not encrypted separately, a separately store, uh, encrypted Dropbox account might not be compromised, but still might. Um, so they have the, with, once they have these keys, 
it's just like I said, going in your front door. Uh, once they have the keys, they have the front door. They can walk in. They can take and look at anything. So anything you might keep in your house that would be able to make someone impersonate your identity, same thing. Anything you keep online, you could impersonate your identity or go through an account, get your other logins, um, things of that nature. Well, now they have that possibility. So there is a list online of the websites that have now changed. So the things that they have to do is they have to go. It's not as simple as it's you just fix it. So you have to patch the bug, which means you have to upgrade your SSL um, mm -hmm. to the newest SSL. Um, if, by the way, if it was pre-1.0, you're not affected either. It's only the 1.0 version. Um, after you patch your system, they have to get a new public-private key and update their SSL certificate. Um, the problem with that is um, they're not, they have to revoke all those certificates. Right now, that's something like a half a million certificates. And then they have to reissue them all. And right now, that's a big backlog in the system. Uh, so before what? you go and change the password, make sure that the company has done all this because it doesn't do you any good to change the password until the company has done all this because they still have the key and they can still walk in the front door. Well, last week around this time, experts were telling us to wait until this week around this time to, uh, to update our passwords. You're saying that it's probably still too early. No, I would say start looking to see if which websites have done it and LastPass offers a Heartbleed checker. It's really simple. It's lastpass.com forward slash Heartbleed. And um, you can go in there and check the slash Heartbleed. Right. Um, and you can go in there and you can see if that site is likely to have been fixed. And then there's other sites that offer lists uh, as well. Um, but this one actually lets you just go ahead and uh, and put the website name in and it'll tell you if it's likely to have been fixed and if it's been affected. Slam your URL into uh, lastpass.com heart slash heartbleed. And again, that'll give you uh, an idea if that does. Okay, so it comes up and it says it's not affected. That doesn't mean it hadn't been. It means that it's not affected anymore, right? Uh, no, what they do is they check for the uh, OpenSSL um, issue. And if a site has OpenSSL, it's been affected, period. Um, you don't know whether that site's been um whether someone went in and took those passwords or not, there's no way of knowing that. You have to assume if it has OpenSSL, it's probably been compromised. This has been out for two years and probably been on the underground market for as long. So um, you just have to know that if they have OpenSSL, you need to change that password. OpenSSL 1.0. Well, okay, there so you go. So you'll be changing um, a lot of passwords, like sit down, get a get a glass of wine or a beer or, you know, a soda if you don't drink and uh, plan to spend an hour or two on doing that. Now, I mean, I guess that we're, we're a minute away from the end of the show. I guess this raises the uncomfortable question, guys like me, what if you just don't remember your bloody passwords? <laughs> I don't remember oh, them. Can, I'm screwed. You can do like, I'm sorry. You can do like you normally do, get it sent to you. Um, you just need to change it once you know that the site has been has fixed the bug. Okay, so, so I, can, I can save myself here. I just have to do a little bit of work. Yeah, you just have to do a little bit of work. Um, so it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's just a bug. They know actually even the programmer who committed the bug and into the system. Um, uh, there have been some conspiracy theories that he did it intentionally, but so far the security researchers don't believe that's true. believe it was just an accident. Well... Resurrect yourself, folks. Tis the season. Take the take the weekend. <laughs> Cute, huh? Take the weekend. Update your uh, update your passwords. Um, 
David Harry from from the SEO Dojo. Thank you so much for sitting in and, and co-hosting uh, in Dave Davies' place. Kristen Sashinger, thank you for jumping in and, and explaining Heartbleed to us. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 17th of April, 2014. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.